The Lord is good. If you are blessed, amen. Amen. All right, um, let's um, take our declaration of understanding. We'll continue to study and pray, amen. Amen. All right, one, two, let's go. Now I declare. knowledge of him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, I'm pleasing him in all respects, I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart, it is giving me light and direction, it is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Alright, the Lord is good. All the time. Let's take our seat. We'll probably rise in a few minutes. School of prayer. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. They are to pray and not to get tired of praying. Okay, let's the book of Luke chapter 18. The book of Luke chapter 18. Now, because I quoted this earlier, and I quoted a lot, I'll just read it. Even though that's not what I want to read. Verse 1 says, Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. And then, let's now go to where I really want us to go to. <laughs> go down towards the end of the chapter, verse 35. He said, as Jesus was approaching Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. Now hearing a crowd going by, he began to inquire what this was. They told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he called out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way were sternly telling him to be quiet. But he kept crying out, all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. And when he came near, he questioned him. What do you want me to do for you? Now notice this was a man that was blind. This was a man, man who could not see and it was obvious. Yet Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him, glorifying God. And when all the people saw it, they gave praise to God. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. Now, please, I want you to notice something that he said here that, now we know this story well. Jesus looked at a man that was obviously blind, and he said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, if you do not know life well, you will probably think that it's a ridiculous question because the man was obviously blind. And because you've read your Bible so many times, you would naturally expect that he should have wanted to receive his sight. But for Jesus to have asked that question, it was a very valid question. Because it is possible that he did not want 
No, no, let me say it this way, that way. It's possible that that was not what he was asking for. Let's be like that. He said, are you saying that maybe he didn't want to see? Sometimes we think that maybe Jesus can handle my kind of situation. I hope you're getting my point. If I felt he was stronger, I would have asked that I wanted to see. But because I'm not so sure that he can handle it, let me ask for something else. It's a very valid question Jesus asked him. That may have been the issue. All right? Because the kind of request we have is not just about our desire, but our perceived ability or available power to meet our needs. Let me give you an example. I organize a church service as an example. Let us assume I do that. And I say it's a miracle night. And I ask people, what do you want God to do for you tonight? Now, at the end of the day, go and sample the opinions of many young men and women. They want God to grant them a visa. Yeah. And they will sow a seed and you have testimonies. But if you look deep inside their heart, all right? Now, let me be honest with you. Very few people I know, don't let me say nobody, I know quite a number, all right? Very few people actually like the idea of living outside their country. Did you hear what I said? I know all of you are like, what? Pastor, are you serious? No. Forget the number of people who are immigrating. I'm talking about those who really like the idea. They are tiny, I don't think they are up to 1%. A friend of mine who God has been good to, once was, he lives in the U.S., once he was speaking on the phone. He lives in the United States of America. I told him some things. We were just analyzing stuff going on back home. He now made a statement. He said, if Nigeria could, can achieve this kind of thing, listen to his words, what am I doing in this goddamn country? Did you hear what I said? Did you hear how he described the United States of America? He said, what am I doing in this goddamned country? Listen, U.S. is a good country. He, he talks about them in glowing colors all the time. What does that tell you? I'd rather be at home. One of our brothers spoke to what you were discussing, and we were together. And this was, I was even in the U.S., was in his house or in his car. You're just talking about his plans. He said, just trying to get his um, American citizenship, you know, in place. Then he will work for his company to post him back to Nigeria. So they can pay him as an expatriate. So I'd rather live in worry. Yeah. He wasn't joking. He said, listen, if this will work out, this is what I really plan. Once this is settled, I'll work for my company to post me because they have offices in Nigeria. I'll want to work for them to post me to Nigeria. So my idea is that then they will pay me. As, he said, now if they post me now, I'll be paid as a Nigerian because then he was a Nigerian with um, residency permit to live in the U.S., so if they post him, they post him as a Nigerian. So, but if he's an American citizen, he'll be paid as an expatriate. Did you hear that? Why is it like that? I don't know. That's just the way God made it. I don't want to discuss the sociology of it right now. Where I'm going is this. You now say, okay, so why you don't come, come back home? It's other things. One of my ladies the other day was speaking. I've not spoken in a very long time, years. So we got talking on the phone because uh, some deaths at home, and we had to come for burial and all of that. So we're now talking about, he said, ah, he said, can you imagine, at my age, I say I have to wake up in the morning and rush off to work. He said, if you guys can just fix the security problems, I'm who will fix it for you? I mean, I'm just wondering. But the way I'm going is this. This is a woman, this woman said to me, please, I'm tired of living like this. 
Forget young boys and young girls who don't know much yet. Seriously. Now, please, I'm not, this is not to say anything about the foreign country and all of that. Okay? I have a friend, if I, a classmate who says something that there's nowhere else on earth I'd rather live than the United States. So I've not seen everybody like that. But his type in my conversation over the years, they're a minority. They're a serious minority. So when you say, God, when you come to the Lord, what do you want me to do for you? You know what the young men and young men are actually asking for? They're asking for prosperity. But in their minds, the only way I can get it is get out. So that's why God asks questions like, what do you want me to do for you? If they would have just said, Lord, make me as influential, as, as productive, and as wealthy, as an example, though, as, or tell the Lord, let me not mention Aleko again. You know, with God, it's nothing. The same effort he will use to arrange for you to have travel permits is the same effort he will use to arrange to bring you business connection and give you advancement. You clearly have told him, Lord, build me up to a level where from here, people from Japan, Australia, Mexico, India, China, and other parts of Africa, I mean Africa, will be rushing in for my work and they'll be paying me in foreign currency. The God that can grant you a U.S. visa can also do that one. But you know why you don't ask him? I'll tell you. Because you don't think he can do it. Because what he has done for other people is what you have seen. Six of your cousins and friends, they traveled in the last six years. And you saw how their lives supposedly changed. Saw the kind of jacket they now wear. How they are, yeah, yeah, that's all you see. What their faces now look like. And so that paints a picture in front of you. Of what is possible. And that's the, only reason can, that's the only thing you can ask him for. I hope you're getting my point. See, one thing I want to... Well, one desire I have today, alright? Is at the end of the day, today, eh, you will look at the moon. And you'll be tempted to ask God to give you the moon. Because I go out to say, what do you want to do with it? It's okay, Lord. Because right now, my faith is so enlarged. I feel like pocketing one moon. And I can tell you to please go to Saturn. Give me a second one. But God will have to tell you, relax. Don't spoil the other of the solar system. You don't need the moon. So in that case, just give me constant power. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. Yes, I heard that um, um, George Washington Carver, one day he was praying. I wasn't there. His stories we heard. And he said to the Lord, the Lord was asking, what do you want me to do for you? He said, teach me about, I think something like, about the universe or something. And God said to him, no, that, as I as say, look, you don't need that. That's too much for you to ask. Not because he can't do that, but how will he help you now? Ask for something else. So he said, all right, he picked the groundnuts up. Teach me about the groundnuts. And at the end of the day, he produced more than 200 products from peanuts. Because he asked the spirit, teach me about peanuts. By inspiration, he discovers so many things. You can read the story of George Washington Carver. It was a request he made of the Lord. Many of these we're asking for. It's not really what we want to. It's what we think he can do. And sometimes, you know why God delays in doing? So I want you to improve the request. I know this is not really what you want. This is not what you want really. Let's face it, that's not what you want. It's just that that's what you think I can do. Many people, they like their job. They like the work they are doing. 
They love it. It gives them joy. It gives them satisfaction. But it doesn't give what? Money. Money. So when they go and pray, they say, Lord, give me another job. God say, hi. Why did you tie, or why are you tying job with money? I've given you things that people are begging for. But because there's something else you don't have, why don't you ask for that thing? Why are you asking me to give you another job? This one you have, you like it? Yes, you do. What's the only problem with it? It doesn't have to give you enough money. So ask me for money. What is wrong with you? Ask for money. But you see people so easy writing applications up and down until they probably get fired from that job because they're not doing with their whole heart anymore. Because you're working in an office every day, you are going for, of course, you won't let the boss know. You are going for an interview. You are using his internet to send CV everywhere. He will soon find an excuse to sack you, no matter how good you think you are. He will. Because of lack of understanding of how to approach things. Look, you like this job. When you wake up in the morning, you are looking forward to going there. At the end of the day, you are satisfied with, I have done something with my life. The only time you realize you don't like the job at the end of the month is when rent is due. It's when they suddenly call you from home that something needs to be done, and you have five in the family, the children, all right? And they say, look, let's not burden our parents, so let's all put money together. We need a millionaire. Your portion is supposed to be 200000 but you cannot even give them 40000 naira comfortably. That's when you realize the job has a problem. If they remove all those things, you, you will die in that work. That is like, you come back immediately in 50 years and you are still smiling. It's the reason why God said, what do you want me to do for you? What really is the issue? What really is the problem? So that, that kind of person say, Lord, now by the way, please, eh? I, I pause because I'm trying to be sure I'm not quenching the spirit, you know? There's something I wanted to say. I decided not to say it. And I'm checking whether that's disobedience of the spirit. <laughs> so, let, okay, I will talk. I will know whether it's disobedience of the spirit or not. If it is, I will say what I want to say. But let me just say this. This one is general enough to cover that stuff. One thing you must never do, all right? Don't make a habit of grumbling. Now, it sounds simple, but please don't make a habit of grumbling. Every time you want to pray first, you see, you must always start with thanksgiving. Cook up everything, every reason to give thanks in the situation you are in. Look for every reason. Just be looking for it. There's an exercise we do in the house sometimes when we are praying. I say, everybody, bring out your ten fingers. You are praying to yourself. That is, I'm not hearing what you are saying. But find ten things to thank God for this morning. Just find ten things. You must find them. Once I ask my children, I said, everybody think about of four things you, or five things or so, that you would like to have but you don't have. And it's not too hard for children to think of that. All right? Especially when they don't have a phone yet, they don't have PS5, you know, you know it's a little bit like that. They, they wanted to travel to go and see their cousin, they didn't go, you know, it's easy. So I said, are you done? I didn't ask them what it was. I don't want to know. And I said, now, find 20, I said, find 20 things to thank God for. I gave them an idea. Your bed is important. You're sharing a room with your brother, it's important. You have a brother to share the room with. The roof over the head is important. 
one day, one of my sons, I just came out, I was hungry. I said, is there any food? It was during that COVID lockdown, around that season. He said, mm, he just looked around, he said, no. I said, I mean downstairs. All right? Oh, we're upstairs in the house. He just said, he was doing something on his device. Without looking up, he just said, downstairs always has food. Now, the young man was not trying to preach a revelation. He just spoke matter-of-factly. I came out of my room. He was in the upstairs in the lounge there. I just said, anything to eat? And he said, no. I said, I mean downstairs. He was like, why are you asking me? You know that downstairs always has food. Why? The kitchen is downstairs. The store is downstairs. The freezer is downstairs. The fridge is downstairs. It's like, Daddy, please, if you really are concerned about whether there's food, you know. Go downstairs, there will be food. I, I, we turned it to a song. I made a song immediately. Next morning, we started to pray. I started with, downstairs always has food. Downstairs. <laughs> it was so funny. We started singing the song. We thank the Lord. We thank the Lord. Downstairs always has food. We thank the Lord. Yes. The young man said, you matter of factly. Downstairs always has food. If, you don't, if there's no bread, there'll be conflicts. If there's no conflicts, there'll be yam. If there's no yam, there's uh, indomie. If there's no indomie, there's beans. If there's no beans, open that place. You'll find, you find something. How can you not find something? Open the fridge, you will find something. And they just said, the matter of fact, it was just natural. I said, but it's not normal, though. That's why we have to be thanking the Lord. So I will tell them, bring out your hand. Count ten things to thank God for. Give them an idea. Thank God for soap. Do you know there are people who can't have their bath because they can't afford soap? I didn't know it was possible until I heard of it. I said, how can you not have soap? Ah, they said, look at you. There are people who have not had their bath in two weeks where they don't have soap. So give God thanks for everything. Never make grumbling a habit. Now let me just explain something to you. Most people who murmur don't know they are murmuring. They think they are analyzing facts. They don't realize they are murmuring. Okay, let me see what I wanted to say. Let me not quench the spirit. I've been around, a bit, I've been in Enugu, you know, for a long time now. I've lived in Enugu, in Enugu continuously, non-stop. Since the year 2000. Okay? Yes. When I came, it was just my wife and I. So you see my family today, everything grew in Enugu. So I can, I've seen things. I've seen people who try to address the problem of the Igbo man. And they are from here. And they call prophetic conferences. And prophetic mandates. The first one I attended, I left the place seeing, making up my mind that this, conf- this prophet is more confused than the people he tried to prophetically redirect. Yeah, I heard the things he said. Pure nonsense. I'm sorry to say it. I'm very sorry. Makes no meaning. I'll now give you my own word, which I believe is by the Spirit of God. Take it and spread it. You don't want to know the, what the problem here is? You want to know? Ingratitude. That's all. There's a pervasive climate of lack of thanksgiving in the air. I've seen it. People were telling the story about a war that ended before I was born. I was born after the war. 
without realizing that a few countries on this earth, have you seen that kind of thing happen? When Gowon said, no victor, no vanquished. People will try to undermine that statement. I have information enough to know he tried his best. A colleague of mine, his father was an, what do you call those who make bombs? His man was a chemist in UNN. He fought on the Biafran side, but he was a bombs maker. He used to travel abroad and all of that to get things to make bombs. He said when he heard go on say, no victor, no vanquished, he didn't believe it. But he decided to try. He went back to UNN. To his shock, they gave him his job back, put him back on his position, and pretended like they never knew what he was doing. It's his son that walked with me in the same office that told me this. That his father was shocked. Nobody ever asked him any question. Of course, everybody has information. They know who's who. He went back to lecturing like nothing happened. Okay, I wear my prophetic garment. I told my wife this long ago, when I first came to Enugu. After a few weeks, in a few months, I said to her, I said, if I ever leave here, just know I left for one reason. I am tired of grumbling. It was everywhere. In Oka, Namdiazikiwe University, a young girl was cooking with a bad cooking, you know, this camping gas. It exploded. Burnt her, burnt the hostel, burnt some people, and they were interviewing people. Which is normal thing. Reporters will go and interview such things. And what did he say? Of course, now, it's not who said that's my issue. That the editor saw it fit to put it on news. So what are you doing? One young man said, this is the problem in this country. If this had happened in the north, we know what the government would have done. Camping gas exploded in a campus hostel and injured people. What has that got to do with what happens in the, with what happens in the north? You want to know the truth? The poorest part of this country is northern Nigeria. You've not seen poverty. See, you've not seen poverty. I served in the north. There are things I read in textbooks. I didn't know they, they happened in real life. Children's eyes rupturing from measles. I didn't know it could happen. I saw it with my two eyes. And I'm like, what? This happens? I thought it was just fairy tale. I'd never seen it in the south. You need a depth of malnutrition for your eyes to pop because of measles. Yeah, I saw it. I saw eyes melt. Ah, I couldn't be. I said, measles? We know measles is only a problem in undernourished children. Well-nourished children don't need vaccines against measles. Facts. Facts. They don't need vaccines against measles. Measles make them have a fever. The eyes get red for two, three. Give them two weeks. They're back to kicking. Once they are well-nourished. But I saw measles hand do children. I didn't know it was possible. One guy showed me a video the other day. I think I saw the video somewhere. I couldn't believe it. Somebody was eating. So he said, everybody watch. You know, like you are eating. He sat on the floor and he was eating. When the food finished, you know, the way you have, you know, you won't scrape everything now. He got up and nothing less than ten children dived at the, this thing, side struggling to pick grains on the bottom. That's northern Nigeria. Give some of these guys begging traffic here, small money. The way they look at you up and down like this. Because, you know, they have never seen poverty. Take it as a prophetic word, though. Why some of the tension we have around here goes on is simple, what? Ingratitude. That is, not a man, I'm not saying be thankful to a human being. 
Be thankful to who? God. Just say, Lord, do you know ever since this war ended, nobody here has gone into the bush, stepped on a landmine and blew up his leg. Which is what happens in most countries like that. War will end 10 years ago as at now. People are still losing limbs for going out to the farm. Don't listen. Some people can be angry with what I'm saying. You are the one God will punish you. Me that I'm telling the truth, he will bless me. People just poison people's minds. And sometimes you look at the people that, whose minds are being poisoned. I say, do you look at them and say, do you realize how blessed you are? I don't think you do. Do you realize how blessed you are? I say, no, I don't think you do. Please don't let anybody poison you. Don't join them. I'm just begging you. The truth is that power belongs to God. That, that statement is loaded. I don't have time to explain it. Power belongs to God. There's a reason why I said it. I just don't have time to explain it. Don't look at anybody. Just look at you and God. Please take this word around. Initially, I was looking to say it, but that's what I thought. I was checking whether I'm quenching the spirit. I began to suspect maybe that's what I was doing. I said, let me say it. God said, don't be afraid. Whatever I put in your mouth to say, say it. Whoever I tell you to talk to, talk to the person. Don't be afraid, though. Otherwise, I will disgrace you. That's what he said. Please, never let in gratitude. That is when you get on, look for 20 reasons. Somebody tells you, Nigeria is a zoo. Look for 20 reasons why you have been blessed in this nation. Just, it's, it's very, very simple. And I say to everybody, he abused federal government. I said, you never say anything. But that day, Nigeria is supposed to go into university. And I talked to one of my senior colleagues. I just asked him advice about something. That should I take my kids to this particular school? You know, he asked me a question. He said, unless you have money from somewhere that I'm not, I, I'm not aware of. He said, <laughs> he told me, he said, no, he said, it's okay. He said, but do you have money from somewhere that I'm not aware of? So you can disclose to me where you're going to get money. So otherwise, please be patient with us. We'll, give you, we'll take care of your kids. When he gave me analysis, I wanted to give federal government an offering. Yeah, you know, you want to look for the, <laughs> just say, FG, I beg, take, manage this one. I sow my seed to your life. You want to tithe to them for two years. I said, what? He said, oh boy, you will have to come with 8 million naira every year for each of these kids. Or you give us small patients. You give us 200,000 naira a year. And that 8 million is exactly what it costs. It's like federal government is paying most of the money. Just settle down and just count little things like that. Count it. No, count it. The other day, the federal government in Nigeria removed subsidy on fuel. And they were having demonstrations in neighboring African countries. And you're asking yourself, excuse me, did they remove subsidy from fuel in your country? But you know the reason why they were doing that. They were having demonstrations. And the president wanted like, what am I supposed to do about it? Another country removed subsidy. And you are here <laughs> demonstrating. Recently, our head of state you know, they've been threatened to remove power, uh, subsidy on power. The man said no. Put his foot down. Power, a cost of power, I'm sorry, it can't increase now. He said, yeah, because it's subsidized. He said subsidy must continue. That one is easier for them to manage. Because you can't put fuel, uh, power in your truck and drive it across the border. Too many reasons to be grateful. Young men and women. See, 
Prosperity is his spirit. It's not a geographical location. If God doesn't bless you anywhere you run to, you'll be a slave in another dimension. But slave you shall be. So practice gratitude where you are now. What I'm telling you is very important too. I'm giving you the mind of the spirit. I'm giving you the mind of the spirit. How did I get into that? I think I remember. I was saying something like what? I remember we were talking about not limiting the power of God. Remember that? That we normally ask God for what we think he can do based on what he has done in other people's lives that we are, we are accustomed with, that we know personally. Things that we have seen him do. We may read some stories, but they appear quite distant. So I started by saying, listen, anytime you want to pray, count the things that God has done for you. It's important because it helps your heart. It opens your heart to revelation. Do you get my point? Now, there's a reason why I went to do that. I think I've forgotten now. But just, I remember that I was trying to do that. It opens your heart to revelation. It opens your heart. So I tell my children, I'll give an example of my kids. I told them, count the things that God has done for you. You will find out, like that song says, it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Just count your blessings. He said, name them one by one. It will surprise you what the Lord has, has done. Don't let, ever let ingratitude stay with you. Make sure Thanksgiving is your portion all the time. Now, back to where we began from. So, I said what I'm trying to do today, God helping me, is to have our hearts liberated so that we will not be afraid of asking God for anything. Jesus asked, you know, okay, yes, I now know why I went into that. Yes, and I remember what I was saying. I said, many people are in certain places here. Remember that? Your job is satisfying. Do you remember that? Yes, that's what took me there. The job is satisfying. You know you are making an impact. When you're working, you don't think of any other thing. The only time you remember that something is wrong is when suddenly you need money. And the world has taught everyone, most of us, that money only comes from that thing you are doing. For that reason, you want to leave the job. So you go to God and ask for another one. The reason why I went to Thanksgiving is that I wanted us to realize that if you had gone to God to start with Thanksgiving, he would have simply opened your eyes to realize that you can't leave. But if you start with murmuring, with good morning, Jesus, good morning, Lord. I came to complain. Rent is due next month. I'm supposed to pay 250000 there. I only have 95. Rent is due next month. Lord, I want you to see. The way this country is going, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> A young man cannot even pay his rent without coming to you. Eh? What is going on in this nation? And at our office, I don't know what my boss is thinking. There's no money in this business. There's no money. The little money that's there, I even heard is building a house. Then by the time you finish after one hour, God has said, okay, so what exactly do you want me to do for you? You know what you're going to tell him? Get me another job, preferably not in this country. And listen, let me tell you something about when you are making requests of the Lord. Hmm? Many times he will grant your requests 
to show you your foolishness. Yes, you are going to have to revise that prayer point one day. See, one thing about us believers is that God is training us. It trains different ways. Sometimes you just say, okay, okay, what do I do to this boy? What do I do to this girl? <laughs> Give him what he's asking for. The painful part about some of, is, is that some of those things, all right, or the painful part about some of those things is that it will take you five years to learn a simple lesson. What is he asking for? He said he wants another job. So how much are they paying here? The angel said to the Lord, he said, okay, get him another one not too far from here. Triple his income. After, you know, the first six months, of course, the first month, testimony time, praise the Lord. In fact, I brought a special seed of thanksgiving to the Lord today. Wham, he dropped him for offering. Pastor is too is happy. He anoints you for progress in the next new job. This job you have gotten now, in the name of Jesus, as the hand will vibrate. Look, 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 look. An offering can vibrate the hand of a man of God. <laughs> God said, there's no problem. First few months, you know, the money will be good. Suddenly, you can do things that you could not do before. And, of course, immediately you move from that your small one-room self-con to a mini-flat. You're doing better. That's an extra spare room. And then you're happy. Then you buy one small old car. And then things are good. Then the one year, you're very happy. The one thing you start noticing after one year is that anytime you are going to work, you are sad. But you won't notice immediately. you know why? You are driving to the work. You will notice immediately because you are not owing rent now. But after some time, I didn't know. <laughs> you know, when you're, you're, you're not used to driving, you're not used to paying rent on time, you're not discovered that to wake up in the morning is hard. Why? You actually don't like this work. The next thing they tell you that, look, the way we make money here, you know, you start telling lies. You won't know. You start signing things and saying things that you are, things you have never done before. You start telling lies. One day you, you don't want to tell a lie, you realize it's threatening you with fire. No, the fire. They're going to sack you. How do you think I'm going to pay you? By this, your church behavior. That's one of my biggest clients. Wait, 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 wait. The time they've seen threatening you, and you go home and go and justify that, Lord, this, well, this one, I'm a man under authority. You start using that one to justify it. At the end of two years, and you are tired of the job. You start looking back to that place where you used to work. And suddenly you start remembering that, ah, I used to enjoy working here. You see one of your friends there, ah, oh boy. Suddenly you remember remembering things. Because, ah, wait, wait, five years you're going to be here. Five years. You start longing for that former job. By this time around, you will have forgotten. You know, the grass always was green now. You will have forgotten that you didn't have money that time. You will have forgotten. And like one of my brothers will say, when God has solved your money problems, you know the real problems of life. That right now you think money is a problem in life. That waiting God solves it. You will know the real problems of life. You wake up in the morning, you are sad. The other guy, the other day I read the story of one guy in America, Nigerian guy. He and his wife separated. He went to the wife's house where the children were with the wife. Asked the woman, asked the children, he knocked on the door, the children opened the door for him. Said, Where's your mother? They said she's in the bathroom. So he walked to the bathroom of the house. He doesn't live there. They are separated. Shot the woman twice. One in the head, I think one in the chest. Then came out, picked the phone, called the police and said, I've shot the bitch. I hung the phone and sat in front of the house waiting for police. You're not getting my point. 
after shooting the woman, he called the police that killed that animal. And he sat on the, you know, the steps in front of the house, waiting for police to come. When police came, the first I ignored him. Carried the woman, rushed out to the hospital. She wasn't dead yet. She died in the hospital there. And then came there and arrested the guy. The guy is not even arguing with anybody. Ah, uh-uh. yeah, I called them that. You know, when I read the story, eh? Now some of you, how could he do that kind of thing? Eh, wait. My own is that, yes, how could he do it? That is, what made a man do that? When, I, when you've read the story, you'll be pained. He married that woman when they were very young. I think he was like 19. She was like 19 or 20. He was like 22, 23. The gist was that he took care of that girl like eh? like the apple of his eyes. Then one day he took a gun, shot her one in the head, one in the chest, and called the police. Me, I, 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 I wasn't thinking about how cruel he was, he was. No, no. It's what pushed him to that point. Elon Musk is still the world's richest man. The son or the daughter, I don't know which of the two. They are. They is, sorry. I don't know which of the two they is. Yeah, yeah, because the person <laughs> said that I don't know him. I don't know the richest man in the world. I don't want to have anything to do with him. That is her, his or her father, their father. Okay? And then said I'm no longer a boy, I'm a girl. Or if it was a girl they were before, they just want to confuse you with their pronouns. If it was a girl before, they are now... Oh, God. You get my point? Let's leave it like that. You can be laughing, but what will push somebody to that end when you're from the house that's rated the richest in the world is the kind of question you should be asking. Some of you think that all your problems in life is money. Because you know why I give you money problems? To distract you from other problems. While you are handling this money problem, you will grow. You will develop. Then I will solve the money problem when you are strong enough not to be waking up in the morning to ask whether am I a man or a woman. Something that a child can tell you. You don't know there are demons on this earth looking for who to confuse. Let me tell you something. I've told demons, you can't confuse me in Jesus' name. Oh, no, they can't. That's one thing I would not give. You don't want demons to confuse you. Like one guy has read about it a few days ago. They are trying or attempted murder of 80 people. Why? He's a pilot off duty. When the plane was flying, he went to switch off the engine. Did you hear what I said? An off duty pilot sitting on another plane. And because they know he's to be a pilot, they allowed him. They normally have those privileges. So he could come into the cockpit and all of that. So he sat in the cockpit with them. With the other two. Commercial plane carrying about 80-something people. Then suddenly he got up and rushed to shut down both engines of the plane. So they quickly, of course, they fought him off. One of the pilots quickly fought. That is, they had to fight. And he was fighting to switch it off, switch it off. Trying to switch off the engine. Find the money to wrestle him down. They have, they, you know, they have handcuffs on the plane. They are quickly handcuffed him to one pole. When they asked him, that's what making me laugh. He's on trial now. 
He said he was trying to wake up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he said he was trying to wake You're not getting my point. That he believed that he was dreaming. And he's trying to come out of the dream. So the way to come out of the dream is to hit the plane on the ground. So if the plane hits the ground, then he will now wake up. You know, there are stories you will hear, you're like, excuse me, what did you just say? You want to kill 83 people and yourself? In trying to wake up, where? <laughs> you obviously want to wake up in hellfire or somewhere. Because... No, I saw the picture of the guy, do you know? I felt pity for him. He said it's because his friend gave him mushrooms to eat a few days before. Psychedelic mushrooms. So they are still affecting his brain. Why they give him mushrooms? He said because he's been suffering depression for a few years. Hey. See, demons must not come to my house in Jesus' name. Amen. Because these demons, eh? Can you see what they do to a man? Give him depression, give him mushroom. They now say, wake up. Say, how do I wake up? Christ the play. Now imagine if he was on duty. Some people God said, listen, I don't want you to crash the plane. That's why I gave you work to do. Be solving money problems for now. That's what God is saying. Please, just be solving money problems for now. Be calculating, arranging things so that the, the real problems that drive human beings mental, so that they will be crashing planes so they can wake up. You won't have to deal with it. I was talking about Thanksgiving. Sometimes God will just, you know, solve our problems by answering the, no, what I mean is that God will answer some of those requests so that we won't ask for such nonsense again. A time will come, you ask him, say, Lord, can we go back to five years ago? I want that my job back. Why? Because I want the peace of mind I used to have. So this place you have kept me now, I don't think I'm, let me tell you something here. I pray we understand these realities. Paul understood it so much that, now, assuming that I'm Paul, he sat down one day, they sent him an offering of 25 million naira, assuming. And he kept the money there. After one year, they said, oh God, we'll send 25 million. They said, eh, okay, sorry. He said, but you didn't even buy a car. Okay, there's a keke that carries me I want to go out. Like, excuse me, sir. Paul said, I've not been able to see the advantage in my changing my current position. That I received the money and I sent you a blessing. Not for my own sake, but because I was happy that you have rekindled your love for me already. Again. So that God will bless you. I know he will bless you. My God shall supply all your needs. He said, but if it's for me, nothing changed though. Before that money, I had to use today's Naira. All right? To let him, so Paul just said, no. When there was no money, and when money came, I remained the same. In fact, now they reminded me. I saw one church the other day, they are looking for an offering to build something. Then he said, they need like 30 million. I can give me that 25. I don't need it. The man saying he doesn't need it. You see him cross the road to take a bus. The man that said he doesn't need 25 million naira. You see him come down from the bus, cross the road, take a keke to carry him down the street. And you're like, excuse me, sir. A quarter of this money would have bought a decent car that's not fuel, that's fuel efficient, does not consume much fuel, and make it comfortable. And you're like, eh, I'll be more comfortable than I am right now. And he wasn't pretending, no. It's exactly how he felt. 
And it tells you something like, you know now, if I'm in a bus and it stops, you know, I come down and change the bus. But if I'm in the car and it stops, you know, I have to stay there till the day Chico arrives. And he said, I've waited, I beg. I'm too much in a hurry. I know you're looking at him like, excuse me, is pastor okay? He's okay. Do you know what? He's very okay. It's just that he has reached a level in life that where he draws his comfort and satisfaction from, few people have, few human beings have ever tasted that fountain of water. Very few. So it tells you, none of these things move me. Like I told my guys when we were driving to Marcos those days, I said my greatest, one, well, one of my greatest prayers there, Paul said at the end, that Acts chapter 20, he said, all of you, Cheko, I have coveted nobody's goods. Look, pastors have, look, <laughs> a few years ago, not now, nothing less than six, seven years ago, as a pastor I know, you know, at the end of service, the offering they used to get, people just walk up to him, sir, you were a blessing, was about what I will earn in like a year or two, every Sunday. When I heard it, I said, what? Okay, maybe a whole year. Yeah. So what a lot of young ministers is that, ah, God, one day we'll reach there. One day we'll reach there. One day we'll reach there. If you are thinking like that, God says you are confused. In Paul's case, Paul said, so how is it different from the man who doesn't get anything? That's what Paul is saying. How is it different? Has he improved the quality of the message he's preaching? You say no. So how is he different? How is he better than that missionary pastor somewhere who doesn't get anything like that? And when I read through my Bible, instead of asking God, one day I will get there, I said, Lord, this is what I want. Paul said boldly, I have coveted nobody's goods. There will be reasons to covet. So that's why you need to pray. God, give me a heart that can say boldly, I have coveted nobody's goods. There are things that people say, not because they are trying to be spiritually disciplined, but because they have entered into rest. They've, they've taken water from a fountain that few people know exists. They have peace so much in their minds that they don't understand what else this gragra is about. No, when you want to pray, start with Thanksgiving. God said, if that young man had come to me, properly. This is what he will have done. He will have sat there and said, Lord, I want to thank you for this work you have given me. I want to thank you because through here, I'm making an impact. I'm advancing your kingdom. I'm promoting righteousness. And you know, there's a kind of peace. Lord, anytime I come back from work, I'm happy. The testimonies I get about what our company has done in the lives of people, and I know how I am pivotal, I'm instrumental in that. You know, it just gives me joy. The other day I got home, while thinking about the thing my boss said in the office before we left, I fell asleep and woke up late. I didn't even eat because of so much peace of mind. Ah, Lord, I want to thank you. However, Lord, why I came today, you're about to say, Lord, I want another job. Then you realize how stupid you are. I hope you're getting my point. So after everything you have said now, ah, and I say, Lord, okay, Lord, please, this job that I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world can't take it away. The song says, this joy, right? I change it to what? This job. But you've equated, yes, that's the word. You've equated it with the joy. Say, no, Lord. And Lord, I want to thank you. 
I was coming to say something before, but I don't think I should say it. Then the Holy Spirit says, okay, what is the real thing? And he said, Lord, I need money. Can you see? The prayer point has changed now. You've, te- you've spent so much time on, on, in thanksgiving that God now helps you see that what you need is money. Is that not so? Let your request be made known unto God. So, Lord, thank you. I love my job, but I need money. Why? This is my reason, Lord. See, last time, you know, we were a family of five children. We wanted to do something in the family. Uh, each person was supposed to bring 200,000 naira. I couldn't. So, the other people paid and allowed me to pay only 25. Thank you for their love, oh, but Lord, I would like to be the one to pay 500. Why can't I be? The, I mean, it's, it's not more blessed to give than to receive. If you pray like that and you return to work, listen to the word of the Lord. God will make all grace abound towards you. You will have all sufficiency in all things. So much that you will abound to every good work. That's what he does. That's what he does. God says, okay, fine. You have learned to separate your work from your resources. Don't worry about it. I'll handle it. I'll handle it. There are many ways. You can just come one day. So, boy, this company is doing well. Oga, the boss, promote this guy into a position where his salary will triple. It's one way. Other times, you say, you go and listen to a message by Pastor Banky that says, Restore our captivity, O Lord, as streams in the desert. He that sows in tears shall reap with joy. Then Charles Ludo was saying, Everybody, let's capitalize our banks to make them big. In obedience, that is obedience to the word of God, that says, Let's develop the society. You carry money and go and invest it somewhere. God said, Don't worry, I needed that money for something. Causes the shares to multiply, multiply, multiply. And the next thing, each time they pay dividends, they give you one year salary. Don't worry. Don't go and say, look, you know, some people will be very foolish. You know, the other the keys to financial breakthrough. You will buy stocks when the price is low. That's how they went and told me one time. The magic of penny stocks. I don't know what, who deceived me. The guy preaching deceived me. I go give her money, buy penny stock. You know what penny stock became? Dust stock. She was penny before. It became zero. I learned my lesson. You know, <laughs> I said, me, these things I don't do before. Waiting, I can't do like, what is my problem? But you know what they said? Because it's penny store, it can't, it can't go down. It can only go up. It's a lie. <laughs> Anything that's not zero can go down. <laughs> you hear what I said? Once it's not yet zero, it can go down. Because God used it to bless somebody. And I want to go and make a doctrine out of stock. Hmm? Because it's you. I just used to bless that boy because he came to me in prayer one day. And he said, Lord, I need money. And I want to give him money. As I will not rain it literally from the skies, I gave him a way by which you now want to say, okay, this is okay, go and put your own money there. You now go and borrow money. Mortgage your father's land in the village. At the end of the day, they collect it. Now I'm telling you that, I, no, no. That, you know, what makes me laugh eh, is that everyone says, that's the problem with this country. Everything that goes wrong with them is a problem with the country. There was a day where I knew one woman pushed 
harassed her husband until they packed their load. Not today, years ago, and left Nigeria. Hey, this country is bad. This country, oh, this country after her business, they call the country. I told my wife, I, I said, why can't people just admit their problem? You do an exam, you fail. You say it's the problem of the country. Why is failing exam not the problem of the country? As if people are not passing the exam. I just feel like adding this one to a small jarra. A friend of mine, you know, in his department, he did uh, part of his training in Nenugu here. When he first got there, now, Nigeria used to be one way, and I think it seems mostly like that. In the postgraduate medical college, all right, we have two colleges, two major ones. This, everything is under these two. There's a West African college, and then there's a national college. So we have this West African college, you know, postgraduate medical college, and we have the national postgraduate medical college. Now, the West African people, they are mostly based in Ibadan, UCH. And the national people were mostly, let me say where, I don't know about now, mostly based in Lagos. You understand? So it was as if, if you are the type that's into tribalism issues, what will you say? Western Nigeria is controlling postgraduate medicine in Nigeria. But there's a reason for it. Everything began in UCH. They were the first teaching hospital in Nigeria. It used to be called University College Hospital, which was like attached to, sorry, was built after one in the UK. That was the first one. It used to be populated by white people. So, I mean, they used to do a lot of things there. So that's where this whole thing developed. And when the National College began, so we really pulled, and that was where the weight was, Lagos. That was Nigeria's um, capital, Nigerian capital at that time. So it was like that. So for years, and then again, most of the specialists and all of that were therefore developed in that area. So they were just all over the place. Even those who are not from Western Nigeria were working there. Nobody, it was not a tribal anything. It was just the way the country grew. So it remained like that for a very long time. Now things are slightly different. Now you can do a lot of exams in different centers nationwide. You don't have to, then, wherever you are, you have to travel to Ibadan for the West African exam. Even those of us in Lagos had to go to Ibadan for the exam. And everybody else, whether you from, come from Portakot or Sokoto or Meduguri, you came to Lagos for the national exam. Okay? That's how it was. So in UNTH here, <laughs> there's a particular department, I shall not mention their name. They never used to, when they travel to Ibadan, they come back, they will fail. They travel to Lagos, for example, they will come back, haven't failed. So you know what the gist was now? You can guess. You can guess now. These people that control the power, they don't want other people to struggle with them. They will talk like, that's what they were saying here. Those on that side, they were all mixed up with all kinds of people from different parts of the country. They didn't matter to them. They were just doing their thing. So my friend and his crew, his group. They came in for residency. They didn't feel like, like that. They just felt like, let's read. So they started reading. They pulled on their senior consultants to teach them. A friend of mine was there when I first came out. Somebody I go there, they're always in seminars, always discussing, always having clinical meetings and all of that. And like I said, just an aside. The one year they went for exam, they won the prize, best candidate nationally. They got it. They continued what they were doing. Next day they went for exam. This time my friend was there. He collected the prize nationally. Best candidate nationwide. Two years in a row. So at the point that it's as if they were not changing amongst them. They said, okay, who, who's collecting best prize next year? You know what changed? Their mental state. The site of the exam did not change. 
the examiners did not change. The only thing that changed was that the people going this time around said, hey, wait, those passing it and getting all the prize, they don't have two heads. They sat down, drilled themselves, and when their big bosses saw they were very serious, they put in a lot of energy into it, and they were just turning out best candidates, best to the best candidate, best candidate, one after the other. This one I remember, two in a row. All the tribalism talk, it ended. <laughs> you know some people, like I said to you, anything that goes wrong with them personally, they turn it to what? Problem with this country. A man does business, and business fails, is the problem with this country. Forgetting that if you go to America, that's so business they fail. America is not funny. When your business fails, they now put you in prison. Bank, how many people follow this crypto gist? Bank man something. Like I told all my guys, I said, the bank man has been fried. He's been fried. <laughs> the Lord is good. So he said, what, what do you want me to do for you? The one that comes with thanksgiving. He comes with thanksgiving. He's so full of thanksgiving. God said, no, ask me for the thing you want. And at the end of the day, he's able to ask God for what he really wants. And you know what? God grants it. Now I began by saying that I tell a young man, what do you want? Say, Lord, I want a visa. God said, let's be honest. It's not the visa you want. First thing you want is hope. Yes, because a lot of young people right now, you know what they don't have? Hope. Hope. They just, somebody just lied to them that there's nothing. There's nothing in this country. Now, please, don't ever believe that. There's never anything anywhere. Things are created. I hope you're getting my point. Oh, no, there's never anything anywhere. Things are created. So nobody should tell you there's nothing in this country. How can there be nothing? When, one, you're a child of God, your father is a creator of God, how can there be nothing? Okay, if there was nothing, go and create something. Now, I'm not here to market uh, entertainment, all right? But the other day, how many people know Mark Angel? Yeah. You used to watch him do some church comedy, church-like comedy, you understand, and stuff like that. I found that recently, I stumbled into a video of his on YouTube. It was being interviewed. I think it was podcast, actually. No, no, on YouTube, because I went to look for the podcast. And I was surprised to find out that there was a time it was earning $400,000 a month. $400,000 US dollars. A month. What he was getting regularly was between 250 and 300. He said there was a time he got 400 a few years ago, about six years ago. They said when it comes to, you know what they call Oscars, you know Grammy, Grammy for music, Oscars for videos. When it comes to YouTube, all right, he's that if they don't have him like that, but when they got the award, he's the number one person in Africa. I didn't even know because I've, I don't, I've not seen him in recent times. What? I said what? Doing what? This, that comedy you used to see him do. Emanuela. Yeah. Him and Emanuela. That thing you saw them doing, it got to a point, in, in fact, you know, you know, let's say a prophet is not without honor, but in his own house. I didn't even take him very seriously. He said in the whole of, the rest of Africa, the guy is severely popular. And when you get to um, US, he, he said he's been in place in the US. Somebody look and say, some of the Nigerian guy, you know, that kind of thing. He said, ah, he said that they know me in America too. <laughs> when I heard, four, in fact, what they said was three, it was not that I corrected the first, he said 400,000. I didn't say in a year, in one month. That was the peak. He said, like he said, it's not like that now because now the, the place is now full. Aye, everybody is now. 
Everybody is doing skits now. Some young men don't want to sleep again. They can't think again. It's hard to be making comedy skits that they are thinking of now. now but why I told the story is that she, they said there was nothing in the country. He and his crew created something. So much than that. I mean, you are getting my point? They said there's nothing. There's not. So please, be, you know, I saw this. Why I'm bringing into my talk is because it was just about a week ago. Yes, my wife and I were listening to the podcast in the house together. Because there was something he said that made me go look for the podcast. So, because that's how I am. I want to understand some things. So he explained something about the, how the YouTube algorithm works. So I wanted to just get to know it. Okay? I didn't know YouTube. He said, look, if you speak pidgin in your skits, they will show you to Nigeria. That that's how they will focus it because of the language you are speaking. If you go and speak India, you understand my point? Of course, they will show it in India. They won't show it in, uh, in uh, Mexico. You understand the logic? Anyway, so uh, that's when I learned that. Okay? Now, where I'm just going is that they will tell you there's nothing in the country. Don't let anybody take hope away from you. Number one, don't let, in fact, first thing you have to ask God for is hope. I have a very good friend who lives in the U.S. When Barack Obama was running for president for the first time, one day we were here and I were speaking on the phone. He said, Banky, look, that is happy Barack Obama. In fact, what he said, he said, he said, for all intents and purposes, the way things work in this country, he says, our next president. He said, it will be, be a surprise if he, does, he didn't win that election. And if you watch CNN that time, you know they hyped him. So, oh, God, the hype was so much. It was clear he was going to win that election. So my friend said he's going to win. I should just relax. He said, now, where I'm going is what he said to me. He said, I want him to win. I asked why. He said, America is a very funny place. He said, the typical black, now, this is what I want to bring out from him. He said, the typical black young man, the average black young man there is hopeless. Now, many of us will have thought that, ah, it's American, I think it's work. He said, no, that then the typical young black person doesn't have hope in front of him. In fact, there was a time I, I was told, I got the testimony from different people, that the worst enemies of the immigrant black is the, the American, the, 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 can I use the word native black? You understand? Because it doesn't really fit, but you get my point. The ones that are black Americans. Because, when, you know, when a black Nigerian, do we have the white Nigerians? No, we don't. But when a Nigerian moves to the U.S., as an example, he can't tell any story at home. You understand what I'm saying? Say you say that Nigeria is the problem. Now we have given you heaven now. So if you can't succeed in heaven, you know you are going to hell. You know that kind of attitude. So normally, we are, we, Nigerians, they, don't, they are not slow. They, are, they believe that things are going to work out. And partly because of that, they end up, you know, the opportunities are there. Which, again, let me tell you, if they had used that same spirit back home, they also would have made it. Hope is very important. That hope, all right? People also feel in America. In America is where I read that nine out of ten businesses die within the five, first five years. Nine out of ten will die in five years. Of the surviving five, another 90% will die in the next five years. What does that tell you? Only 1% of businesses end up succeeding beyond 10 years. It's everywhere in the world. But because the young man down here, who you give the door to get there, suddenly he feels like it will work. It will work. In fact, I've talked to somebody once. He said, don't worry, it will work out. I'll tell him about, why this person do like this? He said, don't worry. It's America. It will work out. The same person wouldn't say that to me if I was back in Nigeria. I hope I get my point. So my old friend was now saying that. He said that he has seen it, that he go, he's a doctor. He's in the clinic. So, of course, the way we have to talk to patients, 
You see a young man. He's 20 years old. So you are talking to him. He's sick maybe. He has some problems. You are asking questions. Ask him, what do you do? And typically, nothing. And you are confused. Like, look, where I come from? You're either in school. Or you are learning a trade. You are, you are, you are attached. You are, you know, you are, what, what do you call it? With the, you, are, you are an apprentice somewhere. An apprentice somewhere. That's why he is kind of confused. You know, you come from back home now. Like, hey, bro, 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 wait, wait. You're either in school. You are retaking jump. You are retaking echo. No, there must be something you are doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or you are waiting. You know, admission has not yet come out. You know, there must be something. Or you are learning to be a, you know, furniture maker, a hairdresser. You are learning something. So the bench just says, no, 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 I get around. So I just hang around. Looking like, excuse me? Now, he told me this, oh. He said part of the problem is that they just believe there's nothing in front, which is the reason why a lot of them end up being criminals. You may think that the police may shoot you. The guy is wondering, uh-huh, so the police shoots me, so? At least before that time, we will chop life small. That's they end up doing drugs, doing crime, you know. He said they do some crimes that are so stupid that a normal person won't do it. You know, this is Nigeria. We don't have CCTVs. No cameras everywhere and all of that. So somebody can come rob a, rob a shop. Most shops that are robbed in Nigeria will never catch who did it. He said, but there you will see a young man carry a gun, rob a shop for $200. Knowing there are security cameras everywhere. Knowing that police is going to catch him. And of course, within a week, they've caught him. And they try him for armed robbery. And put his black butt in jail for maybe the next 15 years. And my friend is like, why on earth would people do that? It's simple. Hopelessness. He said hopelessness. Hopelessness that the man just be like, there's no, what else? In fact, jokes apart. Jokes apart. It's the same guy who told me that. There's one, Tobichi went to Tobichi, you know, the, the Nigerian guy who used to steal in America. He used to steal no gun, nothing, just his phone and his laptop. And he stole a hundred million dollars before they caught him. So my friend said, Banky, I don't like stealing. But if you want to steal, this is how to do it. <laughs> yeah, because when they finally caught him, he went to jail for seven years. Boys go to jail for 20 years for 200 dollars. So my friend said, listen, my friend, if you want to be a criminal, go and learn how to be a criminal. That's, look, you have your phone, you have your laptop, you steal a hundred million dollars. Then when they catch you, you go to jail for seven years. Why do you go and you carry a gun, two, 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 collect three hundred dollars? Then when they catch you, you are in jail for twenty years. So he said, "He said, thank you, please. I'm not saying stealing is good. Though. I'm just saying that if you must steal, <laughs> he said, steal wisely." Now, where I'm going is that why did they do it? Why did they steal stupidly and foolishly? He says, "What hopelessness." So he said he wanted Barack Obama to win. So that the average young black man on the streets of America will know there is hope. And for him, it was, and I remember when the, that night when the man won, I saw the way Oprah Winfrey almost lost herself. I mean, I still remember PDD. You understand? The way they were like, he said, now I can tell my son he can be president. He had his son on his laps. He said, now I can tell this boy he can be president. What am I saying? First thing we need is what? Hope. 
hope. The problem a lot of young people have in this our country is no hope. Instead of saying, Lord, give me a visa, tell him, God, give me hope. That's it. You ask him simply, make me prosper. No, it's, see, you know, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? That is what I'm preaching this evening. What do you want me, and by your, for your information, I'm preaching expressly by the Spirit of God. So we need to pray to the Lord. Say, Lord, give me hope. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Many of us are asking for things that are not the things that we really need. And the reason is simply because we have been confined in our minds. Do you get my point? By environmental circumstances, by experience. And they will now bring up a new theory based on what God has done for other people that we know. And we have not seen him do great things. Let me tell you something. Number one, he has done great things for many people. Say amen to that. Amen. But what I want to say is that God is trying to write more stories. Who will volunteer to be his modern story? That's what we are saying. Who will volunteer to be what? His modern story. Let me tell you something here. I don't know about you, but me, I have this feeling once in a while. I said, Lord, I don't want to get to heaven. And realize that I left 1% of what I was supposed to accomplish on the earth, undone. It's, right now, it's, it's, it's almost terrifying me. Yes. I'm one person that, listen, God helped me with this one long ago. If everybody's doing something one way, it's the reason why I don't want to do it. After all, broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many people are on that road. It's broad. I said no. The one that leads to life is narrow. That door is straight. You know what it means? When it means straight and narrow, it means you have to squeeze through it. It doesn't mean only one person can pass through. Even that one person has to squeeze. Has to squeeze through it. I don't want to write a normal story about my life. I hope you're getting my point. No, I don't want to write a normal story. I don't want it to be like, this is how everybody did it. And that's how I also did it. No. I've just been like that. God help me with that. If this everybody is doing it, I said, no, I don't want to do it like that. Because there are many other things. There's all the Bible calls the man, uh, uh, manifold what? Manifold wisdom. Many-sided. There are different ways God does things. Why must all of us go in one direction? That's why God at the point in time told them, Isaac, when there was famine, your father went and left and went to where? Egypt. And when he came from Egypt, he came out with who? Hagar, that was where your problems, your family started from. Famine came again. Where was my guy heading for? Egypt. You want to marry another Hagar? That was the issue. So God said to him, no, let's not do it like that. What do we do? You, sow in the land. It's not every time everybody's going to Egypt, you follow to Egypt. God says, Isaac, what do you do? Sow in that land. God just wanted to write a different story with the life of Isaac. This is a prayer you must learn to pray. The prayer of Jabez. First Chronicles chapter 4. Okay, I was telling something. Believe me, this is, a, this is a word from the Spirit for today. I have no doubt in my mind. He took over my tongue and put this there for me to say to his people this evening. Are you there? First Chronicles chapter 4. Let's start again from verse 9. He said, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. 
And his mother named him Jabez, saying, and this is the reason why she did, she did that, because I bore him with pain. Now, please, before we read verse 10, let me quickly say something to you about what verse 9 must mean. Later, we'll read verse 10, that is in a moment. But that Jabez name must have affected him. In fact, if you read through scripture, you'll find out that people's names usually reflect on them a lot. So God used to change people's names. And I don't doubt in my mind, I have no doubt that God must have changed this man's name. After now, his name was not going to be Jabez. Jacob, God gave him a new name. Supplanter became what? Strength with God. Israel. I hope you're getting my point. Abram became who? Abraham. That's what God does. This name must have affected him. That was why he went to God to pray. Because his, main, his name indicated pain. His life must have had pain. I believe it was this form of rejection that followed him. Now I'm just you know, trying to extrapolate this from that name and from the next verse. Now let's go to the next verse. Because of his troubles, I believe, verse 10. Now Jabez called on the, on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you will bless me indeed. And enlarge my border. Oh, that your hand might be with me. And that you will keep me from harm. That harm will not cause me pain. Now, I'm just explaining it as I'm reading. You know, so this is one of the most interesting verses of the scriptures. Just one verse. How does it end? Read it again. Read it one more time. No, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Let me say something. God doesn't like complicated requests. Requests that have a meaning that is because and in case of um, paradventure, you know, this, look, just ask. Say, Lord, please, I need to move away from my house. Why? Because that neighborhood there, there's so much noise. And then there's crime down the other street. And you know, and God said, is that you don't like the house in itself? Ah, the house is fine. In fact, power there is very constant. I have four rooms. I need only three. I have an extra room. Because I said, so what is the problem? There's too much noise in the neighborhood. And there's insecurity around. Why don't you just address those two? Now, if I choose to move you out of that house to solve the problem, let it be my own prerogative. I hope you're getting my point. Don't come, because you know how many things I'm doing with your life. Maybe you don't realize, that house you are living in, you know why Elijah went to the house of the widow of Zarephath? Because he was hungry. True or false? False, thank you. You know why he went there? Because she was hungry. His hunger was not why he came. Of course, we know God sent him. But why did God send him? To preserve her life. How do I know? Jesus said it. There were many widows in Israel. To none of them was Elijah sent. What does that tell you? He went there with a miracle. I hope you're getting my point. If God, who, no, think, no, 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 wait, 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 listen, listen to this. There's no catch to this, Reverend Chooks. There's no catch to this. God went there 
and multiplied food so that one jar, the container of flour did not become empty and the cruise of oil did not dry. Who did that? No, no, there's no catch. Who did it? God. So that same God could not stop the, the brook from drying. The brook was too powerful. God couldn't handle it. Ha. Does that make any sense? Let me tell you what happened. God dried the brook to shift Elijah because that woman needed help. Do you get my logic? He went there to preserve her life and the life of her son. He didn't go there because he was hungry. God said, go there. Why? You carry your anointing there. The woman will receive you and that household will not go hungry as long as you are there. It was for the preservation of that household, not because of Elijah. Elijah could be comfortable comfortable at the brook in cherries there and the raven would have been bringing more food. And if raven can't fly again, eagles will come from far. I hope you're getting my point. Where am I going? So sometimes you are in a place, don't think you are there because of you. God said, look, you know, you, did you notice something you said just now? That there's crime on the other streets. Have you ever asked yourself why they didn't get to your street? I'll tell you why. It is because of you. I kept you there to be a blessing. Now if the noise is disturbing you, open your mouth and pray about the noise. I hope you're getting what I'm say. Now pray about the crime. Now pray, stop using your own methods to solve your own problems. You, you look for a job in Enugu, you didn't find. So go and say, God, please help me to get to Lagos. God said, okay, go to that Lagos. See, in Enugu, you didn't have that job you are looking for, but you could do small, small things. I'll put you in Lagos where, eh? If I, you, don't worry, you run back by yourself. Because there's no guarantee that you will find a job in Lagos. The other day, my wife and I were talking about something. I said, look, why do people make these mistakes? I've seen people that left, got to that Lagos, and everything is scattered for them because they said that Enugu was not moving. The Lagos moved them backwards. Enugu wasn't moving, no. They were once part of moving forward slowly. Then Lagos, they could come. And they just took, you know, it can be, you know why God says, this not, you can't just tell me, move me here so I can move forward. See, if you want to move forward, pray about moving forward. You have to learn again to pray sincerely. Like I said, stop coming to bribe God. God prosper me. You know, if you prosper me now, I'll give you a tent to church. God said, don't worry. I'll, I'll give the hundred to the church myself. <laughs> is, that, is that not an easier way? To, if it's, that was my issue. If you feel a call in your life to be a sponsor, want to sponsor the gospel, I don't have a problem with that, that kind of prayer. But of course, you're not talking about, I'll give you a tent. That's not what we're talking about. But don't go and try and bribe God. doesn't need court. I hope, I hope you get my point. It's not a, it's not a, a, a broker here. I can get you 10 customers. What do you give me? God doesn't do that. If you want something, you do it the Jabez way. I came with a message this evening for somebody. It is time to pray like Jabez. Sincerely. Tell the Lord what you want him to do. Stop dancing around in circles. Do you get what I'm saying? Young woman is there. You are listening to me this evening. Not from Enugu here. Maybe from far. We pray, Lord, help me to marry a rich husband. God said, I will give you a rich husband, but you will never be happy. Why don't you just ask yourself, ask me a simple request. Lord, bless me in this life. Because we've been teaching it, and I will continue on Saturday. Prosperity is the will of God. There's nothing wrong with asking God to bless you with abundance. I hope you're getting my point. 
Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. So ask for it directly. Stop using corner corner. Some people are even praying to marry, you know, a man of God because they think that every man of God is bishop is equal. So that if you are not called to ministry, living that most of these men of God won't fly private jet. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Okay, the young woman who's listening to me. Say, Pastor, what should I pray? Simple now. Say, Lord, bless me indeed. Like one of my friends said, the mother said, look, none of you go and marry such a man that will be suffering. <laughs> Told the mother, don't worry. If I marry a man and he's not rich, my presence in his life will make him rich. And that's the revelation. I hope you know, Eve was made to be a blessing to Adam. I hope I get my point. If Eve was not going around, who's the richest giraffe in this garden? No. They made it for Adam and she was supposed to be a blessing to him. So drop that nonsense prayer point. I'm talking to somebody. Ask the Lord directly for what you want. Let me add this one to it as a reminder of, of course. Okay, but let's, let's get it clear. No matter how big it is. In fact, now let me ask you a question. Now let's, let's be honest, okay? Give me the name of another very rich man in Nigeria. Let's not mention Dangote or Tadela. Let's find that one. That very that well known. I, I, I don't know where you get my point. It's, now, we're not talking money now. There are other things happening in life beyond money. Okay, let's say the governor comes up here. He says, okay, yeah, I think that's better. Let's use the governor. The governor of Enugu comes. All right, he comes to hear the word. Praise God. At the end of the service, he says, please, any way we can help the ministry? I said, okay, if you can just give us an offering of one million. You, you know, he'll be looking like, is this pastor all right? Are you sure he's the one that preached? I don't think so. Or the anointing is so great, it covered his foolishness. Because this guy I'm talking to right now has little sense. Why? Because when a governor makes an offer like that, he doesn't expect you to make requests that you make from a common rich man. The request must be tied to his office and the power that he has an average person does not have. Do you get what I'm going to say? That's the kind of thing. So, the kind of thing he expects is that, "Ah, sir, please do. If for any reason they say there's movement restriction and we are going to preach, we are coming for a meeting. Can we have a? Can you give your men an instruction? Anybody heading for Kingdom Word should not be stopped. Are you catching it? No, you, you didn't get that. You know, sometimes they say there's movement restriction, maybe clean up and all of that. Okay, now say, ah, so we meet in the mornings on Saturdays. Can you give an instruction? Anybody says I'm going to Kingdom Word meeting should not be arrested, should not be stopped. Now you are you are making demands of a governor. You can, you know, there are things you will ask, and you will know that. <laughs> He knows who he's talking to. If you ask him, one, we say, look, look, look. This one, sometimes I've gone to places before. He says, nobody wants to see me. He says, please, sir, my head has been aching me for some time. What, what do you think I should take? I am looking at the person there. Oh, foolish Galatia. You, you want to see free doctor, Abby? Because you heard that this guy has a, is a, is a medical doctor. I came with an anointing. Or you can ask me whether I can prescribe paracetamol or ibuprofen. You just look at the person. Sometimes I just say, I say okay, when they think that, I say, you want me to pray for you? They can't say no. I put it in the corner. In the name of Jesus, be healed. And I walk in. Whether you are healed or not, it's not concerning me again. I'm gone. I'm, I'm just wondering what kind of human being you are. Instead of you to kneel down and say, sir, bless me. I want understanding. I want to know the will of God for my life. I don't want to be confused anymore. You're asking for free consultation. That you can go to a clinic, pay 2000 and they'll do for you. 
What am I saying? When you want to pray to God, stop praying for common things that an average person can do. I hope you're getting my point. Why don't you just get on your knees? No, no, everybody kneel down. Let's pray. I want you to pray kneeling down. And do like Jabez. And say, Lord, bless me indeed. It's just between you and the Lord. Five minutes and we're out of here. Pray, ask the Lord to do something that only him can do. Enough of no rigmaroling prayer points. And Lord, let me get a visa. God said, what do you want to go and do? Meanwhile, what do you really want? Like, now, if I gave you a big business and you have earned this amount of money, you are comfortable where you are. Why don't you just ask me for that? Let all your requests be clear. And don't let anything appear too big. I said to you, at the end of the day, you want to ask God for the moon. He will have to tell you, no, you don't need it. Because if you need it, he will give it to you. I gave an illustration years ago, um, a few weeks ago. Maybe you've been manufacturing by hand. Then God takes to a factory where they are doing one million times what you are doing and only machines are doing it. Because they ask me for something like that. Ask me for something like that. You have a passion for your environment. Say, Lord, this is the business I do. Expand this business. I want to employ a thousand. Ask for something. Ask for serious things. Say, Lord, most of the money I spend running my office is on generating power. Give me good quality power that is very low cost. Just say it like that. And bless my environment with good public power supply. Say it directly. Say it directly. Say it directly. Say, the righteousness of your testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding, Lord, that I may live. Now, pray like Jabez. Say, Lord, let the pain that has defined my life not be there anymore. Even if I was born with it like Jabez was, they say, who sinned that this one should be born blind? Jesus said, what does it matter? But I must walk the walk of him that sent me what it is day. The night comes when no man can walk. Say, Lord, walk your walk in my life today. Take glory out of my life. So this one was blind for the glory of God. But God didn't get glory until God healed. It was not his blindness that gave God glory. It was the healing. Say, Lord, time to collect glory. Take your glory in my life. No matter what it is, no matter how incurable they say it is. No matter how incurable they say the disease is. Today, say, Lord, heal it. I like the testimony all the time of Joel Austin's mother. Who doctors said, look, the woman is going to die. She will not leave. That time she was 48. And the husband knelt down. And the Bible says concerning Isaac. That Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife Rebekah's sake. And she conceived and gave birth to those two boys. Esau and Jacob. In the same manner, this man entreated the Lord for his wife's sake. Said, Lord, let her live and not die. And I read the story when she turned 84. A woman who had been given just weeks, months to live. All that you will bless me indeed. Jesus is asking you this evening... What do you want me to do for you? 
What do you want me to do for you? There is an anointing for answered prayers in the house. Jesus is saying, what do you want me to do for you? What? Stop running up and down. Settle down. Talk to me. Bartimaeus said, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said, fine. You can have your sight. Your faith, your cry to me, that is a sign of faith, has made you whole. That you are here this evening praying, asking the Lord sincerely, is what he calls faith. And he wants to do something. He wants to do something. He said, but people don't see me with a whole heart. Now ask him, say, Lord, help me to seek you with all my heart. Because sometimes I don't know that that's what I'm doing, running up and down. There's a cry from the Lord this evening. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Say, Lord, heal all my afflictions. Heal all my diseases. Heal all my afflictions. This pain that has been with me, that will not let me rest. You are the Lord, the healer. Ask him intelligently and simply. Lord, with you nothing shall be impossible. Remember we said, don't be afraid to raise hope. Raise your hope. In fact, the word of God is supposed to give you hope. Say, Lord, you are the Lord, the healer. Jesus took my infirmities and my diseases on the cross. By his stripes I've been healed. I've been reconciled to you. I heard of Jesus Christ. How you anointed him. And he went around doing good. And healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Lord, this pain for me is oppression because I've been forgiven. This affliction is oppression because I've been forgiven. So, Lord, I'm asking you, heal it entirely as your name indicates. You are the Lord that heals. You say, the diseases that are on the Egyptians will not be on me. Confirm that word in my life. Say, Lord, that's why I'm coming. That's why, that's why I have come. And when I get up from here, Lord, I know I've received it too. Because after that, you are, going, you are now going to start taking authority over every affliction in your life. You will say affliction, you won't stay here. You will not stay here. God has answered me. He has healed me. You will not stay here. The Lord has answered me. He has healed me. Listen, you are going to receive peace and comfort. You will receive correction. The Lord will give you instructions concerning next line of action to take. But today, your prayer point is in response to what the Lord has said. What do you want me to do for you? Give him thanks this evening because he has answered you. So this is the confidence we have towards him. If we ask anything in accordance with his will, he hears us. Can we rise to our feet? Let's just give thanks. You can sit now if you wish, but let's just give thanks. It's time to give the Lord thanks. Just give the Lord thanks. Give thanks, give thanks. And please take another extra minute and count on your ten fingers. Ten different things to give him thanks for, apart from what you have asked for tonight. Destroy that atmosphere of ingratitude that's around. Destroy it, destroy it. Take a moment and give thanks.